0: Thanks for joining us for our podcast, Putting It Together. My name is Christina Clayton, one of the co-directors of the Northwest Mental Health Technology Transfer Center. We are part of a national network to disseminate and implement evidence-based practices for mental health into the field. We are coming to you from Seattle, Washington, and our Northwest region covers Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. However, in this virtual world, we have connected with people from all over and we are very grateful to connect with you today. One of our goals is to provide free training and technical assistance in mental health topics. And now we are offering a podcast because we were told there weren't many podcasts out these days, just kidding. But truly, we hope you hear some useful information and or inspiration that helps you put it together when working in this challenging and amazing field we call mental health. You can find out more about us, including our live event calendar, free online courses, resource library, and newsletter sign up by visiting our website at mhttcnetwork.org backslash Northwest. I'm very excited to have a longtime presenter who we've worked with for a number of years on our podcast today named Sharonda Jamerson. She's someone that I actually saw at a conference way across the country talking about race, how to talk about racial injustices and not fall apart, and her material has continued to resonate with audiences all over the country. She continues to win awards as she should, well-deserved, because she has just amazing, powerful truth that she shares and people really hear it. Today, she's going to do a webinar for us that you can also watch later if you would like called Do You See Me? silence versus voicelessness, and she'll be discussing how race-based traumatic stress impacts mental health and how providers can create a safer environment for their clients. As she described to us, and as we know, racial trauma or race-based traumatic stress is the cumulative effect of racism on an individual's mental and physical health. Trauma-induced anxiety arrests the vocal process and blocks the creative flow of authentic self-expression. This trauma affects the involuntary nervous system, body, brain, and memory function. It is often hard to recognize this level of trauma and therefore clients are mislabeled as oppositional defiant, resistant, difficult to engage. This lack of knowledge can compromise clinical discussions and clinical outcomes. It is so imperative for a safe environment to be created where individuals can be seen fully as they are without pretense. And we know people of color traditionally have not felt welcomed and tend to avoid mainstream clinical resources and consequently are unable to access much needed and sometimes critical care. What she'll talk about and we'll discuss today on the podcast includes how can we increase awareness of how trauma shows up in the body and impacts mental health how to learn the difference between voicelessness and silence, how to create a safe and supportive clinical environment for the voiceless, and ultimately to decrease harm to marginalized communities seeking mental health services. Sharonda Jamerson obtained a master's degree in clinical psychology in 2012 from City University College in Seattle, Washington, and she became certified as a chemical dependency professional in 2007. Her experiences include developing, implementing, and presenting EDI trainings to associations of healthcare professionals, healthcare providers, schools, and community-based organizations. She has also presented at state and national behavioral health conferences on the topics of DEI and healthcare equity. And as you'll hear, she presents with confidence and passion. Well, Sharonda, it's so great to be with you again. Thank you so much for taking some time today.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, so tell me, you know, when we are crafting some of these webinars that you're going to do for us, and of course, our our beloved podcast, you you've used the Do You See Me title before. Yes, I this- have. Second part, silence versus voicelessness. I really want to hear more of what that means. And I think the Do You See Me too, we probably could use a refresher on where did that come from? And then what, what's about this new part of it, of the title?
1: I, I planned on giving you all that. <laughs> so the Do You See Me, people of color don't feel seen and don't feel heard. So the Do You See Me uh, title is always going to lend a voice of people of color saying, see me. And how you treat me tells me if you see me or not. So a lot of my a lot of my trainings will start off with "Do you see me?" But it'll go from tolerance to acceptance, or like this one, "Voiceless to Silence." People of color have to be in a position to where we can show up fully without pretense, and we can't be afraid to show our true selves because whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyway, whether we our code switching or whether we are did our authentic self. And like I tell people, if we're gonna suffer anyway, let's just do what we gotta do as far as trying to get people to be sensitized or get uh, desensitized to the stigmatism and get to know who we are as a people, as a culture. However, there are some things in our culture that we don't even understand. Like we have suffered so much that we have taken on our own trauma and made it our identity. So there's some work that we got to work through within ourselves. So we then can, our voices can be uplifted and not be so silent anymore. So that's, that's where that comes from. But voicelessness is when people of color have endured so much racism and discrimination and dominance and, and surveillance and, you know, police brutality that we lose the fact that we can talk, but the trauma messes with your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit, and it even, it causes you to hate yourself. And then what, what happens in times is when we repeatedly, when our trauma repeatedly show up as something like anger, um, then they say, oh, that's just an angry black woman. When And when you shoot me off and say, that's just, or shoot us off, people of color, and say, oh, they're just angry black people, then you reclassify our trauma and therefore it never gets addressed. And then as time go on, we forget that things has happened to us. And then we then begin to take on the trauma and try to adapt to it in a way that is very unhealthy to us. And it start costing us our health Our mental health, our physical health, diseases, and all kinds of things, just because we won't release the stress out of the body. Because what we got to understand is trauma happens in the body. So there's not even uh, just talking about it is not going to resolve the problem. It'll help acknowledge it because we can't change what we don't identify, but we still got to do that body work in order for our voices to be heard again or for us to even find our own voices. Hmm. I hope that makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I really appreciated best I can, because people who aren't looking at me, I'm a white cisgendered woman with a lot of privilege. Um, But I think, you know, there are both these obvious, terrible, you know, death inducing, terrible things that have happened to people of color over millennia. And then there are the things that we have titled microaggressions and, you know, everything in between that I cannot Comprehend. But what I hear you saying is at some point, not only does your body absorb all of this terribleness, you then stop even trying to speak to these issues because of how you're treated in society, how people are viewed. If you do say something, you get categorized. And that this really leads to just unresolved issues that our society will not face as a whole, Mm -hmm. and then silences and takes away the voice of people who are actually trying to call this out and say, this is a, this is a fact. These are not feelings. These are actual things that have happened and how that, how that affects, you know, when people come in to see a, a helping professional, what is it that people are bringing with them you know, um, so I heard that, too, about how, how will this affect that helping relationship if you don't even know this is a real thing that has been happening for this I'm glad, person?
1: I'm glad you brought that up, because what I can tell you is in order for Black people to address their experiences and ultimately work toward healing, racial trauma needs to be acknowledged and implemented into mental health treatment trainings. Racial trauma has its own set of challenges and effects on Black bodies, and most mental health programs still do not offer uh, official trainings around racial trauma, and this is this is uh the trauma that we experience. There's a there's a lot of trauma, and it's debilitating. Um, so, black body, we we are exposed to different kinds of uh, racism historically, or historical, uh, collective, institutional, systematic, interpersonal, and generational. We got we have to unpack all that, and we wonder why we can't find our voices. We're buried (laughs) under so many layers of trauma. And we're not even talking about the vicarious trauma that we have to deal with through the media, you know, the killing of Black people or communities walking to the store. Someone recently tried to burn down a church, a Black church. One actually went into a Black church and started shooting in there. So it's very difficult to show up when your skin is the crime.
0: You know, I know that... (sighs) It is hard, like you said, to try and impart all of this into a training a workforce that is, you know, undervalued. You work in the workforce. That's I that's do. what I think is a very unique position that you hold, that, you know, you actually are doing clinical services day in, day out, in addition to all of this training and trying to speak to courts and you know, I just watched you on that ethics forum last week for our local hospital that you, that we both, you know, sort of work for um, around all the different ways people are treated differently in medical settings, how people are treated differently in clinical therapeutic settings. What would you most, I think, encourage people to consider that's why you're here is of course because i know what you bring to these conversations and that's why i always want you back is because i think it is a huge missing piece um there are many but there is a huge missing piece in what we're trying to do in behavioral health and mental health what would you say to people if maybe they've they've tried to educate themselves but they don't have the experience to really understand the weight and the trauma and the you know body um absorbing you know like you said over generations and millennia how does one even attempt to be present with these things in mind and and setting the stage for at least a possibility of a, a, a good working therapeutic relationship when obviously there might be racial differences gender differences all sorts of differences but you know as we speak about race based differences what can someone do if they do not identify as a person of color or do not have these experiences, how can they show up and really be effective not having that experience and being really aware of what you're talking about?
1: I, I've, Unfortunately, George Floyd kind of helped that along. Prior to George Floyd getting killed, there was many white people who were saying, there, what what are you talking about? We come a long way. Racism is no longer there. We're, you know, we're seeing people in power. President Obama was <laughs> the president. They love using that one, which is okay. You got one man who was in in power. There's just my thing is increase your circle, diversify your circle. Uh, when you're making a decision, diversify the people who's at the table um diversify your reading read read books or go to seminars of people who are talking about their uh, particular culture don't always rely on research results because those can be manipulated there is a there's people at the mosque they want you to come they want you to get to know them there's the lgbtq community they want you to get to know them they're opening their arms their doors the things that they do they want you to get if you really want to get a better understanding, don't limit yourself to books and research. That is classic. That's classic conditioning, if you ask me. Go to the museums. There's a um, African-American museums. There's a Asian art museums. Oh, there's this wonderful movie out right now called Origin. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you go see it and you understand this caste system in which we're functioning under. One of the main reasons why people, it's harder for us to connect is because people are so ignorant. Is it their fault? No, not necessarily. It's only their fault once they decide to deny themselves access to the things that are available to them. But if they don't if they don't know, then you know, you can't be, I don't think you should be held accountable for what you don't know, but you are you should be held accountable for the things that you do find out and you don't act on or the thing that's available to you, and you deny yourself that. That's a problem,
0: yeah. And I think just like we can really not fathom the kind of trauma and experiences that you yourself would bring to any therapeutic relationship. We won't be able to learn all of that overnight. We aren't going to be able to know your whole history, you know, instantly, just like we don't with anybody. But, but you know, what I'm hearing loud and clear is please do your homework. Don't. And I've heard this many times. Do not ask black and Brown people, just in this example, to teach you about racism, <laughs> to teach you about, uh, you know, how all of these atrocities have continued. Obviously there's conversations to be had, but you need to do your own work and show up being aware. There are a lot of ways that people can do that. Um, but, you know, it I imagine it puts people in this weird position where maybe they don't know what to do. They don't want to do the wrong thing. And yet- I know that you're trying to help people learn how to approach these conversations. So if you, if, if I'm working with someone and they uh, are my next client, what can I, what can I demonstrate? What can I actually say? I don't want hollow words, but what can I say or do to at least, like you're saying, I can educate myself. I can read a bunch of different uh, cultures and backgrounds and, and, and understand the arts and all the, you know, you could watch, um, you know, the 1619 project, you can have a lot of ways to really educate yourself through through books and media. What can I do in a therapeutic setting to in some way demonstrate that I I know I don't know, but I'm I'm here to help and I want to do good service um to you.
1: So in 2019, where we met, um, I was doing the training, and one of the things that I had said even back then was acknowledge your privilege, acknowledge the power of difference in the room. Um, And I remember looking at the the feedback from that and one white woman, (laughs) she was like, that is so inappropriate. I would never do that. And guess what they're talking about now? They're talking about their privilege in the room because something has woken up in some of them, not all of them, but some of them to let them know that this is something that is holding me back from having an authentic relationship. Let me just own it. Other things that, like what I do in my office, you can't see my office, but I have like a Native, I have a a dream catcher uh, in here. I have um, artifacts from Mexico. I have artifacts from China. Uh, I have the LGBTQ flag hanging up here. I want people to know that this is a safe place no matter who you are. Because one thing I do understand is trauma in my body. I carry it, but I'm working through my body uh, to be able to have these conversations and be able to hold the container. I think that four months ago, I did a training and this person asked, and I, if I would have love for this question to be asked when I was in person versus over the Zoom. They said, what do you know about white trauma? What? Mm. Huh. There's men gynecologists who know more about uh, women's bodies than women do. And when you are a person of color who has been indoctrinated into white culture, white teaching, white this, that, and the other, and most of my clients are white, what do you mean? What do I know about? What do you know about black trauma? What do you know about Native American trauma, immigrant trauma? What do you know about those traumas? You don't know because it clearly research said that they just now getting started on addressing racial trauma because there is a different tone to racial trauma than other trauma. So what do you know about trauma outside of white trauma? And here's the other thing, because white people have so much privilege, they don't have to pay attention to their trauma. They don't have to dig in, they don't have to be uncomfortable. So then when, even when you see a white person sitting across from another person, a white person, uh, counseling them, what are, what are they counseling? What are, What counseling, what advice are they actually giving? Or are they just having a conversation? What work have you done to understand what you're carrying. You have the privilege not to. And most people, if they have the privilege not to be uncomfortable, where discomfort is where growth comes from, then they won't be. So how much do you know, how much have you grown if you refuse to be uncomfortable?
0: Yeah, that's huge. And I think you know that is what I always really welcome. And I think everyone that's seen you, at least in events I've witnessed, um, it is uncomfortable. It is supposed to be uncomfortable. You know, people in positions like mine with privilege like mine do not experience that. We have maybe experienced some in some arenas and we can point to that, but imagine, you know, what that is like day after day, year after year, generation after generation with history that was not that long ago. And it's just hard And, and things that are still disparate to this day, plenty. It's wild to me. I really love when you share, you know, gosh, who's in power and who gets, you know, mortgages or who gets uh, pain relief when they go to a doctor or who gets treated this way or the other way from welfare services or courts. Um, You know, there's these unspoken, indoctrinated biases that we are not even aware of. And it's our duty. It's our duty to know about that because that's one thing
1: about my trainings is I try to bring that in so we can understand why we are the way we are why we see each other the way we see each other and why we are so divisive last but not least I do want to go back to the question you asked what can we do in, in in therapy it is so offensive when people of color or, you know, Native Americans, or, you know, just others, those who have been other uh, LGBTQ, when we come in and we share our experiences, experiences looking for your help and your guidance and you minimize it, or you question it, or -hmm. you tell us that, it's oh, it can't be that, it must be something else because you have no reference for it. If Mm -hmm. we're sharing something with you that you have no reference, seek clarity, ask question, that's your time to learn. If you really want to help, you got to learn who you're counseling. Because at the end of the day, I can't help anyone unless they help me to help them. Well,
0: Period. And you, well, and that you don't believe this. Well, not only is there experience, because if someone came in and said, you know, say a white person came in and said, my mother treated me horribly growing up, like you wouldn't ever probably question that. You'd say, oh, well, yeah, I wasn't there. But boy, that's what you're telling me. And let's run with that why do we stop and question? I think it's because of that cognitive dissonance that you just can't believe this is how society works, but Mm -hmm. it is. And we Mm -hmm. have to at least swallow that truth before anything else that we have no idea and no way to judge unless we've been through something similar, right? To to really dispute. Um, And even to sort of maybe try to make someone feel better. That's just terrible move. I I hear that loud and clear. That is, that is a reality that we keep hearing every day. You know, these traumas affect the body, the brain and how people connect with others or don't. So back to your title, if you're not having active conversations that sometimes are uncomfortable, um, you're probably being left out and you're not seeking the, the, the education that you, you need to be.
1: Yes. And look at our youth look at all the things our youth are getting them and normally i don't i, I feel like our youth is in so much danger right now that i'm bringing some information in about our youth because we have to we have to we have to rescue our babies they are supposed to be our future we don't want to see them in jail we don't want to see them dead we got to see them healed so they can take take over you know the next uh the next step in healing our wounds mm-hmm their wounds.
0: Yeah. Cause they, they are collectively all affecting us,
1: hundred you,
0: you know, and so we have our duty, you know, and responsibility to, to do that. As always, we could do this all day, Sharonda, but I know you have a webinar to go do. I, do. I can't wait to to see that as well. Um, Thank you for joining us. And thank you. Um, it's always, it's always so meaningful every time. And I thank you for your time.
1: And I appreciate you. You have a so, good day. Thank you too.
0: You can find resources related to the episode in our show notes, so be sure to check those out. Learn more about us by visiting our website at mhttcnetwork.org backslash Northwest. You can also follow us on social media at nwmhttc. This broadcast is brought to you by the Northwest MHTTC, which is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA. However, the content does not necessarily reflect the views of Sansa. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to connecting with you again so we can keep putting it together. Take care.